0: You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Welcome, today I'll be reading Funny Bone, written by Palace Perilous. It's rated mature, and the pertinent tags for this fic include Fluff and Crack, Crack Treated Seriously, Skeletons, Bad Pickup Lines, Alternate Universe No Angels, Alternate Universe Canon Divergence, Men of Letters Bunker, Angel Vessels, Mild Gore. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Funny Bone Written by Palace Perilous Read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein. Summary It wasn't even a particularly creepy skeleton. It was in kind of a just-chillin' pose on the floor. One ankle was still locked up in a heavy iron cuff at the end of a short chain leading back to the wall. Snoresville as dead stuff goes. Dean seen worse at Disneyland. It was the skeleton's comment about Dean's ass that really livened things up. Discovering the bunker in the first place was a hell of a surprise. The whole facility is legitimately batshit. Dead guys of letters knew how to live, and apparently die all at once. But after plowing through a dozen rooms worth of priceless treasures and crusty booby traps, even Sam was looking kind of full up on shock and awe. We can hit the basement tomorrow, he said. There was a big smudge of dust across his nose and some cobwebs in his hair. Nuh-uh, Dean answered, kicking the door shut with the toe of his boot. If there's shit still kicking down there, we gotta clean it out before it cleans us out. It's that, or we're sleeping in the car. (sighs) (sighs) Sam said, as if 20 minutes ago he hadn't been losing his mind over a rare book about werewolf hemorrhoids. So discovering that the basement included a no-shit actual dungeon... Felt more like an unanticipated bonus, and stumbling across a skeleton while exploring it barely even registered. Skeletons and dungeons. They go together like ramalama lama kadinga da ding da dong. It wasn't even a particularly creepy skeleton. It was in kind of a just chillin' pose on the floor, inside of a big circle of greasy black ash. It looked a little mildewy in places. One ankle was still locked up in a heavy iron cuff at the end of a short chain leading back to the wall. Snoresville as dead stuff goes. Dean's seen worse at Disneyland. It was the skeleton's comment about Dean's ass that really livened things up. Well, Dean had said, holstering his gun and wiping his hands on his jeans. We're all clear. Let's head back upstairs and salt the shit out of everything. And then we can pick up some groceries. Do I get to buy a vegetable that doesn't fit in a bun, or are we still in that refractory period? Sam snarked from the corridor. I don't see you cooking, Dean started, shuffling back towards the hall. And that's when the skeleton butted in. Are those astronaut pants? it asked. Because your ass is out of this world. Dean absolutely did not scream, but it's possible there was a yelp. He almost unloaded a clip into it. Unclear what that would have possibly done. But it's good to start with the simple, available solutions. Next, he nabbed the lighter fluid off of Sam and dumped out a half a pound of kosher salt as a chaser and set the fucker alight. This does not have the intended effect, baby. I'd like to put my meat on your grill, the skeleton says, greenish flames dancing between its ribs. Because you're hot, and I'm smoking. Then it sat up a little, just enough to shoot Dean some finger guns. What the fuck, Dean says. Sam makes a little evaluatory noise. Sexually harassed by a skeleton? He chuckles. I think that's a new one, even for you. Is that a new one? I know a lot of strange shit went down in purgatory. The skeleton perks up even more at that, grungy eye socket sweeping up and down Dean's body. Are you a time traveler? Maybe, he asked, because the voice is pretty deep and dudish, although possibly just on account of its vocal cords being leather shoelaces. What? No, I'm not a time traveler, Dean fibs. He's more of a time trafficking victim anyway. "'Oh, wait, God,' he says. "'Please don't tell me you're asking that, because... "'I can see you in my future.' "'The skeleton finishes eagerly, "'and Dean really wishes this thing had eyebrows "'so he could tell if they're waggling. "'Yeah, okay, that's enough for today,' Dean groans. "'I need a drink.' "'He starts to go back out of the room "'as a preemptive strike against Bones, "'commenting on how he hates to see Dean leave,' but loves to watch him go. Dean's working on stumbling back against Sam's left shoe when the skeleton pipes up one last time, this time with a husky, anxious edge. I realize that purgatory isn't accessible through a simple chronological shift, it says, teeth chattering, but it does require travel between modalities, and if you're capable of that, I would very much like to speak with you again. Dean and Sam's heads slowly swivel back towards the skeleton, like two little pizzas on the same Lazy Susan. An hour later, they're still in the dungeon, working on dousing the skeleton with every possible anti-bad stuff solution they've got, just in case he's a vampire skeleton or a ghoul skeleton or a witch skeleton or maybe just a wendigo that's incredibly bad at its job. In between progress reports, he's still hitting on Dean. Dude, don't you have an off switch somewhere? Dean asks him. Well, Dean, you certainly make me feel like a light switch. Because because you you turn turn me me on. All three of them say in unison. The skeleton looks a little embarrassed, which is kind of impressive when you think about it. You've heard that one before, he asks. I spend a lot of time in bars, Dean deadpans. Okay, stage is a no-go. Sam strikes a line off on the clipboard he found upstairs. Is this a part of a curse or something, he asks, glancing up at Bones. Like on top of being a sentient skeleton, you can only speak in horrible pickup lines. The skeleton shakes his head, which produces a sound that Dean recognizes from his old kneecaps on cold mornings. No, the spell work allows me to speak freely on most subjects, except who I am or how to free me. But it is helpful to use language modern humans can easily understand. Huh. Well, in a way, it is Dean's native tongue. Sam says, smirking. You shut your face. Dean hisses. When I first saw you, I lost my tongue. Can I try yours on for size? Bones asks Dean. Buddy, I don't know where you got your information from, but nobody actually talks that way. Dean tells him. Nobody's sober, anyway. Who isn't a virgin? The skeleton slumps. I learned that from my last visitor. He tried to release me on several occasions, but he either died or abandoned the project. Dean arches a brow. The project being... You... I would be very valuable under the right circumstances. The skeleton shrugs and casually holds out an arm for Dean to scrape at with the demon blade. He gave me lessons in modern vernacular as a way to pass our time together. Sounds like a peach, Dean says, before he can catch himself. If you have a peach-related pickup line in there, man, you better just sit on it. That's why what- I will smash you with a hammer, Dean barks. The skeleton relents, but with obvious reluctance. They call it quits before Kansas rolls up the sidewalks for the night and leaves them stranded with nothing but two cliff bars and a gross of septuagenarian cans of franks and beans. Bone shifts nervously when Dean leaves. Which is better, pancakes or waffles? Pancakes, Dean says with a sense of grim duty. Because I'd like to know what you're making me for breakfast, says Bones, his voice trailing off as Dean books it down the stony corridor. By lunch the next day, bologna sandwiches, so sue him. He'll make something good later. They're pretty sure that Bones doesn't pose any known immediate threat, other than to Dean's sanity, so they switch gears to springing him. Maybe he will be worth something, or maybe he'll crumble into dust and be free, or maybe he'll just stop being chained to the basement wall, in which case he can become their skeleton butler or something. There are weird runes on the ankle cuff, so Sam snaps some quick photos and heads upstairs to feel up the library. This leaves Dean in the basement with Bones, some good old-fashioned power tools, and Bones' ex suitors gross sense of humor. You know, I can understand you just fine when you're talking normally, Dean says. You're just reciting some prehistoric shit that idiots say to girls to get a pity laugh, hoping it leads to a pity fuck. What's a pity fuck? Bones asks, all mildewy innocence. Dean's pretty sure the grunge in his eyeball sockets is a dried eyeball. Pretty much what it says on the tin, my guy, Dean answers, and reaches for the acetylene torch. Enochian, Sam says when Dean surfaces for another sandwich and possibly a beer. He's really disappointed about the torch. Good room, Dean replies around a mouthful of bologna. Like everything else here, the kitchen is pretty schwa, although the inside of the fridge required three exorcisms and half a jug of bleach. Sam paws around the smelly old book in a way that makes Dean feel sorry for the girls Sam dated in high school. The symbol's on the cuff. I think they're Enochian. It's a fake celestial language made up by some 16th century con artists. Dean coughs up a bit of Wonder Bread. I respect the hustle, but what's it doing on an ankle cuff in a dungeon younger than Mickey Mouse? Sam frowns. Well, it could be for show, but just because some nut bars made it up doesn't mean it's totally powerless. Maybe it does have some kind of... Heavenly mojo. No problem. There's no heaven. Dean observes, finishing off his sandwich. Huh? Dean takes a swallow of beer. I said, there's no heaven. Sam shrugs. We didn't think there was a purgatory, either. Okay, but if we find out angels are real, Dean snorts, then bones can fuck me in the ass. Sam reports his findings to Bones, who sits placidly on the back of his pelvis, carpal splayed out on his kneecaps. What's even holding him together? Dean can see what's left of his ligaments, but they look like petrified gas station jerky. Do you know what they mean? Sam asks him, pointing at the sigils. Bones' jaw creaks open a little, then closes again, and then he shakes his skull. Something rattles inside. Finally, he makes a little frustrated noise and replies, Baby, are you a book? Because I'd like to check you out. Hey, says Dean. Keep it in your pants, man. I'm right here. Sam squints. I think... Dean, I think he's trying to tell us something, but the spell on him means he can't say it directly. Bones clenches his fists releases them, then clenches them again. Yeah, keep him talking. Let's see how close he can get. Clack, clack, clack. Uh, Dean says, rubbing the back of his neck. Okay, do I need to, like, give you some kind of opening? He asks Bones. Sweetheart, I'd like nothing better. Bones answers, then clacks his knuckles on his brow with exasperation. Sorry, Christ. Hit me with your best shot, buddy. Dealer's choice. Bones clears his ghost throat and tries. Tell me, Dean, did it hurt? Dean blinks. When I fell from heaven? Sam claps his hands. Fucking knew it. It is Enochian, and it does have something to do with this. I think he wants me to check the library for another book. Maybe there's one misshelved or something that I can actually use to translate. Or I can Google around. Maybe there's a subreddit. Dean's pretty sure Bones has never heard of a Google or a subreddit. For that matter, does Dean actually know what a subreddit is? But it seems like there's a glimmer of hope deep in those scumholes. Sam gets translations for a few words. Obedience. And something he's 50% sure means millstone but the rest is still gobbledygook, and he hasn't come down with another update in hours. The dungeon is pretty roomy, but it's not like there's a foosball table or a cable TV pickup down here. So Dean and Bones wind up lying on the cold-ass ground, staring up into the dark reaches of the ceiling together and, like, chatting. Occasionally, Bones goes quiet and Dean glances over at him. He really could just be a totally normal, completely dead dungeon skeleton. A good power washing and the right mounting hardware, and he'd be ready for a high school biology classroom. So, if these runes are a celestial thing, does that mean you're some kind of demonic thing? Dean asks. Cause I gotta say, you're much less of a douche than the demons I've met. He snorts. I know you probably can't say. Bone size. How? With what lungs? The last person who tried to free me was a demon. He shifts a little, maybe surprised he can say this out loud. It had been so long since somebody had spoken to me. I'm afraid I came close to actually enjoying his company. But he was no better than his kind usually are. Don't suppose you caught his name. Maybe Sam or me killed him for you already. He called himself. No, I can't say it. He makes a sound resembling a harumph. Then his skull creaks over to look at Dean. Does your name start with a C? He says very deliberately. Dean is momentarily puzzled, but he works it out by the time Bones wincingly adds, because I've got a D that wants to come behind you. There aren't too many demons under the C-tab in Dean's blood-stained mental Rolodex. And when he says the name out loud, Bones makes a sound like an entire set of dominoes being thrown down a spiral staircase. Crowley is pretty pissed, which is fun. It's nice that the dungeon floor already has the perfect trap, they don't even have to hit up Ace Hardware for paint. A damp shop cloth and a little nail polish, wet and wild in red, red, don't leave home without it, brings it right up to working order. Why does it smell like a nail salon fucked a bloody wine cellar? Crowley says after he's settled down a bit. He manifested right in the creepy torture chair, in the shackles even. What service? and he made some escape attempts, followed by angry noises about rust stains. Now he's recovered his dignity and is kicked back a bit, legs crossed, fingers steepled, oozing maximum levels of too cool for school. How do you know what a nail salon smells like? Dean retorts. I get a monthly mani petty. There's no shame in a little self-care, boys. Crowley's eyes trickle down to their feet. Imagine what fungal horrors those work boots must conceal. Then he squints and looks up, finally taking in the whole room. Could swear I've been here before. The lub scale for you, isn't it? Did we splurge for a vacation rental? Crowley, why don't we role play Titanic? Bones growls from the wall behind him, and Crowley's voice goes slack. I'll be the iceberg, and you can go down. Crowley swallows and slowly twists back as far as the shackles let him. Feathers, is that you? Well, as I live and breathe, you do neither, says Bones with so much gravelly contempt that Dean suppresses a little shiver. Oh, I still breathe now and then when the mood takes me. I'm a sentimentalist. Crowley cranes his neck a little harder and squints into the dim. Goodness, you've dropped some weight since we last spoke, haven't you? Finally let go of all that pesky soft tissue. Bones tilts forward and kind of clatters onto hands and knees. Then Tipsley begins to rise up to standing. Dean's a little concerned he's going to topple right over and they're going to spend the next two hours collecting him in a basket. But when he moves to help out, Bones waves him off. After a couple of false starts, he makes it up onto his feet bones and then shuffles out to the edge of his chain, right under one of the overhead lights. He's still a good couple feet off from Crowley, but Crowley looks like he wouldn't mind a few extra acres. Bones sways a little bit, just enough for Crowley to wince. You didn't come back. I got busy. Sam shifts impatiently. What is he? He snaps, gesturing at Bones. Exceedingly dull, Crowley says. I should have guessed you were friends. Dean uncorks a fresh bottle of holy water. You wouldn't believe me if I told you, Crowley amends quickly. And even if you did, you wouldn't know what to do with him. It'd be like giving nuclear codes to a pair of howler monkeys. Dean puts his thumb over the mouth of the water bottle and holds it over Crowley's head. Try me. Crowley scoffs, rolls his eyes. It doesn't matter what he is, since he's useless as long as he's chained up. And I wouldn't have left him down here if I had a single clue how to smuggle him out. I haven't even been here since the Bay of Pigs. I'd worked a loophole in one of the defense spells here that let me in. When it broke down, I lost my exploit. Wasn't worth the bother after that. Dean slides his thumb a millimeter north of a perfect seal, and a fat drop of water busts its ass open on Crowley's forehead and sends up a thin line of steam. Good thing I've got a limitless supply of bother, Dean notes. Sam, we still got those syringes in the trunk? Crowley snarls. Go ahead and melt me like the cartoon shoe in Roger Rabbit. It's not going to magically make me come up with a solution. Bones grunts and rattles his leg chain. Do you speak Spanish, Crowley? Because you look like the Juan for me. Did I teach you that one? You absolute xylophone. Crowley glances back at Dean. Do your worst, squirrel. I deserve it. Sam frowns. He uses the lines to get around the spell's speech restrictions. This is something about speaking languages. Are you able to translate the Enochian symbols on his cuff? Crowley blinks. What symbols? After a whole lot of faffling around with mirrors and terrible cell phone photography, they confirmed that Crowley can't see the symbols at all. More demon-proofing. Clever little buggers, those men of letters. Crowley sighs. A real shame they were peeled and eaten like bananas. Finally, Sam just hunkers down with a pencil and pad to transcribe the entire ankle cuff, and Dean awkwardly holds up Bones' ankle like he's being sized for a glass slipper. When they shove the results in Crowley's face, Dean watches his eyes dart along the words. Well, it's your lucky day, boys. Along with the usual wankery, those are instructions on how to release the cuff. I can translate it. He finally says, with an unusually low inflection of bullshit. But I'll thank you to release me first. Dean is flummoxed. What, you're not going to haggle for a cut of the profits or anything? Activating the release mechanism will free him completely, and restore his... restore him. I'd rather be at a safe distance. He glances back at Bones, looming in the shadows. A continent of three should do the trick. If it doesn't work, I'd be more worried about what happens if it does. But feel free to summon me back for tea and sympathy. Here, I'll even give you my number. But please, no personal photography. I pity you enough as it is. Crowley finally smokes out, and Dean has a beer to celebrate while Sam looks over the list of what they need, and Bones clatters his fingertips like castanet's. The ingredients are, as always, larded with shit that's exotic and expensive. Sam is looking crestfallen at some of the items. I've heard of all of this, but I've only seen maybe half of it for sale anywhere. Baby, are you at yard sale? Because you've got some serious junk in that trunk. Bones monotones. He's back to lying on the floor. At least it's getting easier to translate this shit. They've got all the ingredients here somewhere, Dean says. Sam looks skeptical. Come on, Sam, no way these dudes would use a lock when they didn't have the key. The ensuing scavenger hunt takes a few pints of elbow grease, but at least by the end, they're both familiar with the bunker's floor plan, document filing system, and inventory records. They find virtually everything in-house though they do end up driving to the nearest farm stand for some hen's eggs and rosemary and heirloom tomatoes because they look bomb. Dean christens, or maybe exercises, the kitchen range with some red meat and they fuel up with burgers before taking the plunge. Dean's still licking the ketchup off his fingers when Bones pipes up one last time. Can I ask you something? He says. Dean and Sam brace for impact. Bones sighs. That's not the start of a pickup line. I genuinely have a question. Shoot. Why are you so intent on freeing me? You could have just left me down here. I'm not a threat this way. You only have Crowley's word that you might profit, or suffer, from my release. Sam gives Dean a look. It's the look that says... I sure hope you have an answer, because I think this entire thing has been dumb as shit and half as necessary. It's a look Sam uses pretty regularly. Uh, it's the right thing to do? As far as I can tell, you haven't hurt anybody or done anything else to deserve being down here. We went through all those records upstairs, and there's no note that says, By the way, that skeleton downstairs eats babies for breakfast. This place is cool, but the dudes who built it were obviously shady as fuck. I see. Bones sounds a little disappointed. Sam fake coughs into his hand, and Dean sets down his paper napkin. Also, you seem cool, like you're easy to hang out with. Other than the stinky one-liners, and we're going to wean you off of those. Bones straightens himself out a little. Thank you, Dean. You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd rate you a 9. Okay, okay, why not a ten? Bone sets his chin on his knuckle bones with a tidy little clack. Because I'm the one you're missing. Dean groans, but he thinks the guy might be smiling somewhere behind that skeletal grin. By hour two, Sam's pretty tuckered out from pulverizing a billion and three mummified dove livers while reciting nonsense syllables and Dean's right arm is about to fall off from holding up this giant silver swizzle stick that's either a really weird short sword or a decorative javelin. But Bones has never looked perkier. He's lying on a nice white bedsheet and looking fresh as a recently exhumed Daisy. Okay, Sam rasps. Light the candle and we should be good to go. Any last words, Bones? Are either of you religious? He crosses his arm bones over each other. Fuck no, Dean answers before Sam gets a chance to launch into it. Bones shakes his skull fondly. You should reconsider, because you're the answer to my prayers. Dean makes a gagging noise and lights the candle. What happens next, well, after the cuff pops open, is some of the freakiest shit that Dean has ever seen. And his freaky CV is pretty fucking impressive, thanks. Bones tells him to avert their eyes, just in case. But he takes a peek between his fingers anyway, because he's an idiot. For a second, Bones is just lying there. And Dean has a second, of real disappointment, that maybe he's moved on past the veil or something. But then he starts foaming. It starts out kind of uniform and colorless, But then it really picks up speed and volume and starts to separate into swaths of distinct and horrible colors and textures. He closes his eyes again for a second to give his stomach a chance to reboot. And when he looks again, the foam is gone. And instead, there's a whole lot of angry jelly trying to form into organs. Just as the jelly is really getting its shit together and looking more like lungs and intestines and stuff, The heart jelly pulses once and sends out a fistful of big, squishy vines. Veins? And a fat, white worm of nerve scrambles down the spinal column and starts putting out franchises. This is followed by some disturbingly tasty-looking red sheets of muscle that swiftly sheathe all over the whole scene. And then the muscle starts sweating out fat and cartilage, and this is the point where Dean decides that looking away is actually definitely 100% for the best. Even then, the sounds are tough to handle. It's kind of wild. He's seen people taken apart, but watching one get put back together is somehow gnarlier. Well, if this guy is even a person. It's a human skeleton, sure. But God knows, even Mickey Rourke has one under there. Finally, everything seems to have quieted down. How are you doing over there, Bones? Dean asks and dares to take a peek. Bones is crouched down in front of them, fists balled up in the bed sheets. It's a relief that the bed sheets didn't get accidentally sucked into the muscle layer or something like one of those surgeons who leaves a sponge behind. Dean sees white guy skin and some dark, messy hair and gets the gist of a decent build. The face slowly cranes upwards, and Dean is really truly ready for anything here tusks, fangs on, forehead ridges, gingivitis. Instead, he gets a face full of hot math teacher. Bones' eyes are still closed, but he's frowning like he's mentally reviewing his strategy to explain the quadratic equation to a room full of horny teens. He slowly rises to standing. Yikes, naked. Dean is a moderately bad man, so he glances, but just long enough to register, nice uncurling slowly and carefully then he's all the way up bones squares his shoulders and straightens the last kink in his spine and the frown resolves dean's about to say something when his eyes snap open and this cold white light absolutely blasts out of them and fuck crowley wasn't kidding this guy is definitely a thing the whole room flattens and distorts in the light Shadows race up the walls like they're looking for a way out, then snap together into the shape of enormous ragged wings, stretching 30 feet higher than the actual ceiling clearance. Then the light dies down. The wings fade into regular-grade shadows. Instead of a terrifying, unearthly avatar of oh shit, Dean's looking at a buck-naked 30-something math teacher who happens to be an unearthly avatar of oh shit, and has nice eyes. My name is Castiel, angel of the Lord, seraph of the first shield. The avatar says in a piss-shakingly resonant version of Bones's voice, "Then do you speak English, Dean?" "Yes, so do I," says Castiel and smiles. Then he makes finger guns. If I was- Castiel sticks around for a grand total of five minutes before he's suddenly gone again, because angels are A. real, and they can B. teleport, at C. any moment because D. fuck you. Then he reappears six hours later, clothed, standing over Dean's bed, having apparently forgotten that humans like to sleep. This time Dean does shoot him, but luckily he doesn't seem to take it personally. I located Crowley. But Castiel says the silver sword javelin thing is sitting on the kitchen counter in front of him apparently it's an angel blade and it lives in Castiel's coat sleeve and can vaporize demons it doesn't look like it has any Crowley on it but maybe it's self-cleaning Did you kill him Dean asks now that he's semi-coherent and wrapped around a cup of coffee in the kitchen Not this time, Cass answers. He did help, after all. Sure, says Dean. You don't need to let me fuck you in the ass, either, Castiel says. And Dean honks some coffee up the back of his nose. Oh, he gasps. Okay, cool, thanks. Didn't realize you could hear that convo all the way down there. Angels have excellent hearing. Mine wasn't impacted by the spell. Dean can think of three very private moments Castiel almost definitely could hear every instant of and longs for death. Or maybe not, since apparently this guy lives in heaven and could hear him there, too. Great. Good to know. Noted. But, Castiel looks wistful. What? Dean nudges him. Dean Winchester, angel nudger. Castiel frowns. If I said... He stops himself. This is... What I want to say is very irregular, at least between angels and humans. Jesus Christ on a goddamn pogo stick, man. It's three in the morning. Some of us have a circadian rhythm and a limited lifespan. Say whatever it is you gotta say. Cass looks up and drowns Dean in his swimming pool eyes which Dean has learned belonged to a radio ad salesman in Illinois, who Castiel possessed a few years back, before jumping several decades into the past to run some errands and get rope doped by the men of letters and then warehoused in their basement. After they all spontaneously bought the farm, he slowly ran out of the power reserves needed to keep his vessel from turning to mush and, hey presto, talking skeleton. Classic story, really. If I said you had a beautiful body, Dean... Castiel says solemnly. Would you hold it against me? Dean doesn't let him finish. The end. Thank you so much for listening. If I said you have a beautiful body, you hold it against me? Skeletons and Dungeons. They go together like Ramalamed... Ramalamed... Rama Lamma Kadinga ding da Dong. Rama Lamma Lamma Kadinga dinga Dong. They go together like Rama Lamma. No. They go together like Rama Lamma. They go together like Rama. What? Ramalama Lama, kadinga da ding da dong. Kadinga da ding da dong. They go together like Ramalama Lama, da dinga da ding da dong. They go together like Ramalama Lama, kadinga da ding da dong. <laughs> but the rest is still gobbledy. I say this word all the time gobbledygook. 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 But the rest is still gobbledy. <laughs> but the rest is still gobbledygook. The rest is still gobbledygook. 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 And he made some escape attempts, followed by angry noises about rust stains. Stains. We went through all those records upstairs, and there's no note that says, by the way, that skeleton downstairs eats breakfast. We went through all those records upstairs. Fists balled up in the bedsheets. It's a relief that the bedsheets didn't actually get... It's a relief that the bedsheets didn't accidentally... It's a relief that the bedsheets didn't get accidentally sucked into the... Thank you so much for your support. You can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, or by emailing me at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening.